Mabel Chung brings her characters from New York this time around. They go home, continuing their working relationship with uh, Sam Hung in the process, uh, exploring his dramatic range, and he is paired up with Sylvia Chang for a rural remote drama. My name is Kenneby, with me is Tom KW, and this is the director series 30 on Mabel Chung's Eight Tales of Gold. <laughs> So, welcome back, and uh, we have involved Sammo quite a bit already in this uh, director series, especially, you know, we did Painted Faces, and now we're doing Eight Tales of Gold, and there's no slam-bang action stuff in this director's uh, series. And uh, I wanted to ask you something. Um, has that ever been a hard sell, Sam as a dramatic actor, or have you gotten used to that in, like, five minutes? Watching, you know, Heart of the Dragon or Painted Faces? didn't say five minutes. It took about ten years, to be honest. I mean, a straight drama I kind of ran for the hills, you know, a few years ago. But as I get older, it's something I, I appreciate a bit more, especially Samo. And he's a good actor, so I don't think it's something to fear, really. I mean, he's obviously mostly known for his action. I think that's what everyone digs. That's what I dig. That's kind of the films that I went after a few years ago. But, yeah, seeing his kind of more dramatic stuff now, it's um, it speaks for itself. Although, you know, I do miss seeing someone get kicked in the face but i think this film that both these films you know could have done with more kicks in the face but it's okay maybe george lucas can hook it up i don't know a mix of both could be found in um that movie he did uh, a few years ago uh, my beloved bodyguard or bodyguard yeah 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 and yeah. i really like that i mean it has two action seasons essentially but that makes sense as part of the structure they're really good and also it's a fairly heartfelt drama and he does that very well I, I i found myself being quite drawn to to the film not perfect but um i i found that to be a, a nice mixture of um everything that uh, like uh, different types of audiences would like uh, i i certainly am not requiring samo to do action in his old age and yet uh, for my beloved bodyguard that's what happened and it looked uh, look good on him for sure, yeah. It's like Jackie, you can still do it. And I think you're probably not backing away from it, but obviously trying to explore other avenues and doing different things in terms of his films. But it's one of those things that will probably always go back to. So as long as he's, he can, you know, he's happy doing it, I'm happy to keep watching it. For sure. Well, we are here for the director series uh, 30, our third um, episode into the Mabel Chung Alex Law shared director series because uh, they are life partners and uh, creative partners. And uh, we are going to cover a movie from each of the two. So um, we'll tell you all about that in a little, in a little bit. Uh, but uh, first of all, this is the director series on the podcast on Fire Network. Our back catalogue of uh, 
the directors series on uh, these two but the rest of the filmmakers that we've chosen uh, that back cat- catalog covering all of those people can be found on our website podcastonfire.com along with uh, select bonus episodes uh, every now and again on um, that is connected to this uh, series if you have any questions or feedback if you watched uh, Mabel Chung and Alex Law's uh, films or watched uh, the movies uh, they did with um, with Samuel, Painted Faces, in, and in this case, Eight Tales of Gold. Let us know, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. And hit us up uh, on our various social uh, network and connections and what have you. Uh, click the Facebook button, click the Twitter button and all of that, and you'll, you'll reach our uh, Facebook uh, group and our Twitter account and interact with us on the Facebook group in the always friendly manner that uh, we try to uh, we try to uh, we try to keep that level of definitely uh, i wasn't being friendly that's why i left i was uh, i was really kind of throwing my weight around and that's why i had to i had to duck out but ken is still there being friendly do we have a tiktok yet puff tiktok we hook we hooked that up well what, what, what is that tiktok i heard some kids say that it's i don't know some kind of social media don't back out of it now you clearly know what you're talking about i have no what, idea what is tiktok oh opens wikipedia page and types in tiktok <laughs> no we don't have time for that if, <laughs> if we don't know we probably don't need you're really kind of like not you know looking out for our 17 year old female listeners here Ken. it's really bad it, it, it is what it is and uh, if i don't know anything then i don't know anything uh, then that is that's my how i like it uh, but uh, regardless, uh, follow uh, the social media links uh, using the handy buttons at the top of our website and all the relevant uh, links and so forth will be in the show post as well. I write occasionally. I, I take my time uh, nowadays in terms of uh, both writing and proofreading. I've gotten a little better at that. So my updates on SoGoodReviews.com, they're a little bit more sparse, but uh, I tend to think I uh, clear out some errors a little bit more effectively nowadays but uh, you'll find a mixture of uh, Taiwanese and Hong Kong movies on there and uh, all that uh, good stuff and I, I'm on uh, the various socials as well including Twitter which is uh, the handle is at so good reviews and subscribe to us on uh, iTunes uh, and uh, Apple Podcasts is the uh, app you listen to and uh, if, if you subscribe to us you should go on iTunes and uh, write a review of uh, what you thought of your listening experience and furthermore stream us on Stitcher Radio and Spotify boom 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 let's do a little rundown of uh, what's to uh, come here in the 8 Tales of Gold episode we'll jump ahead a little in time first because that movie is from 1989 but first of all we'll talk of the Alex Law directed Chime Fat Comedy Now You See Love Now You Don't from 1992 and this will then be followed by the 8 Tales of Gold section taking us back to 1989 we'll talk uh, Sylvia Chang's career for a bit and then conclude the episode with a review and discussion of 8 Tales of Gold but first of all we are gonna briefly review the Alex Law romantic comedy starring Chai and Fat and Carol Dodo Cheng and Anthony Wong Theresa Mo. it's really a hard-boiled not reunion but some of the same cars from hard-boiled <laughs> is in this one from the same year as well. But uh, let me throw over to Tom first, because uh, we're going to do a quick take and not so much uh, discussion back and forth. So why don't you deliver your uh, notes uh, in uh, in terms of what you thought of uh, Now You See Love and Now You Don't. And we both got to watch it on the brand new shiny Blu-ray and all of that. We did, yeah, which looked... Which looked incredible. Really nice print. Not too not too clean, not too dirty. Somewhere in the middle. Just exactly as I like my women. <laughs> that was probably a bad joke to start my review with. But I'm going to go on to the main review now. Please anyway. Um, 
skip, skip, skip. It's a bit, it's a bit of a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Really? Would you agree? Yeah, it ta- it takes a while for you to get into it and realize uh, what the good bits are and what the bad bits are. I've always had a tough time getting past certain sections, so when I do, I feel quite alright. But uh, I'll get back to that. So, so what was the oddity? What was the odd one? Uh, uh, the, the odd part of it for you? Well, I mean, it, firstly, what it's going for it's a, it's a lot more it's breezy. It's a more looser film. Than paint phase for sure, um, but I, obviously I don't think it, it quite succeeds in matching anything near the quality of uh, of that film. It's it's like an offbeat comedy for me, but it's kind of trying a bit too hard to be zany and wacky and not really being intriguing or kind of energetic enough to really fall into screwball territory. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of odd ideas. Is kind of what I mean by odd and, and stylistic choices that don't quite work for me. Well, I, I I do agree with what you said. There are some 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 good bits and some kind of bad bits, but a lot of it's very odd. It's cameo central as well with this one. Well, what I had trouble getting past is the first. Well, I got past it obviously. Uh, the first twenty minutes or so, mostly set in the uh, village um, where Carol Chang and Chai Fat reunite and all of that, and I had a little hard time grasping the characters and connecting to the uh, broad and sort of sane banter i mean they're they're all great and it's fantastic to hear them in sync sound as they verbally spar but that wasn't uh clicking with me it felt a little bit too loose and lacking in focus you know granted it's a lunar new year movie uh, I I did check that because it opened in, opened in the second uh, second month of that year, February, uh, and earned all the money. <laughs> it was very <laughs> all successful. All the money. Uh, but uh, that was what I had trouble with initially getting past um, the village section and connecting. And once the movie started to transform into Giant Fat trying to better himself, going into the city and trying out uh, a, a business venture and all of that. The movie started to land a little bit more as a romantic comedy, and mm. and you realize it. Oh, oh, it's not trying too hard. It's not doing an. It's not doing a social thing. It's not doing a a deep exploration. But it's land landed a lot better in terms of the rom com genre once uh, he cut his hair and uh, once we got to the city and all of that. So uh, was was that your experience as well? Uh, I think so. But yeah, the back end was like a tad better. I think it was, you're talking about that first half an hour, everyone was just shouting at each other. Yeah, exactly. That was a bit tough to get through. Yeah. yeah. Like it has some strange like cutaways initially in that village section to, to Anthony Wong, like being very fascinated with a wiener dog. And he's one of those, like, did yeah, they come yeah. up with that joke right there? And uh, Anthony, like, pet it and say something. Yeah, the dog gag and what happens to the dog. I just thought, wow, we're going to be in for a bumpy ride here. <laughs> I don't know where we're going from here. But obviously, this is a callback towards the end of the film, which is quite interesting. I thought it was just a throwaway gag, but it does get referenced again towards the end of the film. But uh, how was the star power once you start, could, could like uh, extract that it's more of a conventional romantic comedy finally they're, they're not shouting at each other so how was that and the star power sort of working for you 
power the power was there they had the power um the power was just it was fully represented but i just don't think it was any good material to be honest a lot of great material in terms of dialogue i mean they got some stuff towards the back end to get their teeth into some kind of dramatic stuff that i don't again i don't think quite works because tonally it's a bit odd compared to the rest of the film but it's all quite odd so it wasn't really a surprise but I did find myself getting into that a little bit more, uh, even when it's switched to more dramatic stuff. Uh, still, it's 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 not. Oh, it works on its on its own. It just turns the structure of the film. It's kind of a bit bit strange. I connected to the fact that it, it it's a Hong Kong movie. It's Lunar New Year, so I'm I'm I recognize that it's going to be a bit loose and rough around the edges. But I did find myself getting into it a lot more as. Uh, as Chang Fat opens his business, which is across the street from Carol Cheng's uh, apartment in the city, you know they had grown apart. Uh, there were a couple once, and they grew apart. And uh, and the movie is obviously structured in a way where they will reconnect uh, at a at a later point, and uh, realize that they do belong together and all of that. But uh, that it all worked for me quite decently. I mean, uh, they they all turned up these characters in terms of. of um, not the craziness, but they're they they are exaggerated to a degree. Like Chang Fat ice skating with that lady, or the whole chasing girl section that he engages in. Like uh, he does a little bit bit of everything now that he is in the big city or opens his business and finds a religious girlfriend, Karina Lau, who is into Butchman. <laughs> and I I it's not great, but I found myself being entertained by by that because we get to hear all the performance in sync sound being quite. Uh, quite silly and uh, whenever Carol Cheng and Chai Fat share some more serious moments it's not Mabel Chung Alex Law elite drama but I like those two I like to hear them even though we've heard them even in dubbed form it's still them I still like that that the, the way they reconnected uh, by the back end and uh, it still didn't transform this into this uh, new take on the romantic comedy it's a Lunar New Year movie and it was easy to accept in that way, but um, it had trouble connecting initially, and I found myself connected enough by the end. Yeah, I would, I would say it definitely like entertaining. Obviously, it keeps you kind of watching it because again, it is it is so strange. There's some odd, very odd kind of stylistic choices to it, and some of the scene setups with the gags are kind of a bit strange. But I wouldn't say it was, it was boring for a second. The singing restaurant was yeah, that was bit, that was a bit much, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it was just I think it's kind of from the beginning. It, it, it tends to throw everything at you from the beginning and then it kind of simmers down a little bit towards the back end and kind of calms down a bit and obviously gets more into the dramatic um, the dramatic side of the film. But yeah, uh, interesting enough, it was, uh, I thought the, it, the Cantonese sounded a bit different, but it was um, Chow Yun-Fat speaking the Waitao language, which they speak on Lammer Island where uh, he grew up. But uh, you're right, there is a different dialect used during those sections and in dialogue, in the city that involves um, Karina Lau, they talk about the fact that, oh, in our dialect, if we said that, it would mean a completely different thing. Mm. Um, mm. So they, they actually are playing with uh, dialects in that regard, which you and I can only sort of detect. But uh, I think it's lovely that they still went ahead and recorded it in sync sound anyway. Yeah, it works well with the sync sound. I don't know whether I would have would have would have caught that if it hadn't been for the sync sound. It just it just sounded obviously a bit bit different to to what I'm used to. Yeah, it was the same in um, out of all things that 
that I remember, and I don't remember a lot nowadays. There, there's a Francis mm, uh, romantic comedy called Bakery Amour, where he goes back with Michelle Hayes to his uh, his village and his mother, and uh, I believe they spoke Hakka with each other. So him and uh, Helena Lolan, they you, you can immediately detect that uh, they launch into their own dialect and almost a completely different language. Therefore, so ah, interesting, which is very uh, very nice. Um, so, so yeah, not not a classic, but uh, it's 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 a fun little contrast to uh, when he made hard boiled and uh, John Woo tried to set him on fire. <laughs> it's a bit of a holiday for him in terms of this film, but more bit more relaxed time for him for sure. So, was the cameo parade fun to to have and see, like Richard playing an English yeah, teacher? Yeah, it was. It was. I, I mean, I'm probably I'm a, I'm a terrible Hong Kong cinema fan. I only caught like two or three, but there's there's a okay. lot from from what I from what I've read. I definitely noticed uh, Richard um, yeah popping up as I am a man. It was very <laughs> basic English. <laughs> yeah, Fru Chan uh, as a policeman. Paul Fonorov, Hong Kong film critic Paul Fonorov. Uh, yeah, he was in there. And Lowell Lowe, obviously, as well as the, as the piano player, like, got that straight away. Very distinctive look um, about him. So no, uh, no sideburns. His trademark sideburns they were gone. Okay, say so, yeah, they are gone. It was just yeah, the, his, his head. He's got a very distinct head. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he was at a piano kind of gave it away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a musician as well. So um, the uh, the award winning uh, composer of the uh, Autumn's Tale score. Yeah, dude. That was, that go, was yeah. low, low. It, It's fun to see them do this non demanding stuff, I suppose. But uh, make no mistake about it, it's a Lunar New Year movie. They weren't hired to uh, provide this uh, big theme of a film, this f- big thesis of a film that says something. It says entertaining. Entertainment is the design of it all, and it worked. 36 million Hong Kong dollars, which um, was a lot. I mean, uh, compared to a couple of the other giant fat movies of the time, and they were hovering around like 20, 25 million. So this has had audience appeal across the board. For sure, yeah. Fun film. Again, very, very strange. It might be worth just checking out for some of the strangeness um, that it packs. But yeah, kind of, I know what it was going for, that kind of energetic screwball film, but I just don't think it quite reach that for me but yeah the obviously the actors all great in it and um it's a it's it's nice and breezy flies by quite fast mm-hmm. okay okay uh, let's uh roll back uh, the clock a little bit and go back to eight tales of gold and um we start off our section uh, right here right now and uh, it's from 1989 dramatic film this time directed by mabel chung but uh, as is uh, was the case uh, alex is there uh, on the production in a distinct way, and they co-wrote uh, the script um, in uh, in this case. So, and uh, plot from my review of the film with some scattered notes within it as well. So, with little narrative in the traditional sense, uh, Mabel Chung and Alex Law return to the immigration emigration theme of their past work, uh, but they got enough new ways to speak of it. They change up their formula a little bit. We happen to be part of um, some repetition as Samo Hong's Slim. Packs up big stuff from America as he plans his uh, return to the motherland of, uh, of China. Uh, not that Slim has made much of a name for himself over there, as a matter of fact, uh, in America and in New York specifically. As a matter of fact, he's a cab driver. But the return to the village must be a triumphant one, a big one in his mind anyway. So um, originally he, was, he fled the country without uh, a proper goodbye and 16 years down the road means that all his... Uh, a preparation is rooted in fear of being rejected. In China, he reconnects uh, with his uh, cousin, whom he called uh, when they were little, odds and ends, 
but uh, she's called Jenny and played by uh, Sylvia Chang, uh, who is set to marry and uh, herself relocate to America. After Alex Law's painted face uh, failed to generate substantial box office, which is a shame because it's a, it's a fine film and, and his first film as a director, uh, Mabel and Alex teamed up with producer John Chum, who had been a guardian angel of sorts on, on An Autumn's Tale for, uh, for this uh, 1989 drama, A Tales of Gold. And as I said, they returned to the immigration immigration theme of the past, and uh, the film went on to earn a little bit over 11 million Hong Kong dollars at the box office, and scored a huge number of Hong Kong Film Awards nominations, including Best Picture, Best uh, Actor and Actress nominations for Sammo Hong and Sylvia Chang, uh, but it ended up winning one statue for uh, statuette for Best Film Score, while a... Uh, variety of other dramas and action movies dominated that year uh, it is a beautiful score very much so yes uh, very, it, very, it, very very lovely score it seemed a little bit um driven by uh not a pop sensibility but it seems like there, there were more songs and more upbeat songs uh in, initially but then they change up that score uh, quite a bit uh, in the movie and i'm gonna look up the composer because i didn't write that down it isn't uh, uh, Lower Low. It's uh, Richard Low and uh, someone else, a uh, gentleman called Law Tayu. Yeah, so they didn't get Lowell uh, back. Lowell was probably busy acting and composing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> he was busy playing in that restaurant. That's why that's exactly. they couldn't get him. Moonlighting. Exactly. So weird. I so love it. They, but they did win uh, deservedly so for best score. But that, that year was. Um, one of those uh, lovely Hong Kong cinema years, Tom, where everyone got a little bit of something. Uh, Jacob Chung's drama Beyond the Sunset won Best Picture. John Woo won Best Director for The Killer. Chai Fat, Best act- Actor for All About Along, the melodrama directed by um, Johnny Toe. And Meg Chung won uh, Best Actress for A Fishy Story, which is a lovely... Um, Dr- uh, dramatic comedy um, starring Kenny B, not me, and directed by Anthony Chan. Uh, and and also a shouting sing sound, a lovely looking movie as well. Uh, if I would bet like a, a pound right now that I believe it was Peter Powell who shot it, and it looks stunning. So I'm hoping he was nominated for uh, for the film. Hong Kong did believe in Eight Tales of Gold to the extent that they chose it as their entry for um, best foreign language film, uh, but it wasn't accepted as nominee. So screw you, Beyond the Sunset, I guess. <laughs> best picture, <laughs> best picture, best mixture, <laughs> like. We're going to send the movie that didn't win that much. So there it is. But uh, it's always nice, isn't it, to sort of look back on awards ceremonies and realize, oh, my God, a cluster of uh, good movies. You know, uh, it's not just like one movie winning everything. Like uh, The Killer is there and All About Along is there and Eight Tales of Gold is there. So, um... Well, as we said before on the show, it's like the stuff that's the most commercial isn't always the best and obviously vice versa you know the stuff that kind of is really good and, and it's held up sometimes wasn't even even given at any kind of um spotlight in terms of an award or anything sometimes they uh, they also they, they don't keep the best picture winners in home video circulation beyond the sunset is one such example i had trouble finding it and uh, found a vcd which is not ideal but i got to watch it but they really needs to uh, be uh, out there in a bit more shiny fashion and even going back in the 80s uh, to filmmakers that in western eyes are completely forgotten uh, Alan Fong is a new wave director, dramatic director who won like two or three best picture uh, awards in the beginning of the 80s and those movies like Ah Ying and The Father and Son gone 
yeah, classic vital films of the of the Hong Kong New Wave that are just yeah, only really kind of available on VCD rips and kind of you know back alleys and stuff like that. You lose a kidney like searching around those places. Uh, but um, we mentioned Sylvia Chang is in Eight Tales of Gold, and uh, this is uh, one of those uh, Hong Kong and Taiwanese cinema profiles that. Uh, wasn't content with just uh, standing in front of the camera. She uh, made a career, perhaps uh, probably a greater career behind the camera uh, as a director. I, I found this a amazing quote, you know, considering all of her acclaim and accolades. Uh, she said, I, I never went to any school as a director or a filmmaker, so all my film education was actually from being on the sets. Being on films, yeah. And you got to be good, Tom, if uh, you can both witness that, but also apply it. Uh, because they, w- w- when you saw her, her in Aces Go Places, that wasn't necessarily like, oh my god, the, that's where the, she the learned it all. Filmmaker and the dramatic range of the of the lady. <laughs> that's where she learned the most was on was on that set, for sure. But uh, she she's an award winning actress and filmmaker known to Hong Kong and Taiwanese cinema fans um, as equal part comedian and dramatic actress. Uh, as we said, her work ranges from recurring roles in the Aces Go Places series. We always do this because the answer is always different, judging who you who you ask. So, what's your favorite Aces Go Places movie? Uh, four or five. Which is yeah. always interesting because uh, five is my least favorite, or one yeah. and two is my favorite. <laughs> they get better, in my opinion. They get better, but they do get grittier and more kind of. Uh, grittier and kind of more action based and they become more kind of action films whereas I do think the third one's the best blend of both and the first two are kind of more comedy but they're all great but I think they definitely get better in my opinion and she wasn't in the fifth one she did uh, not no. she was in a picture wasn't she or something a yes. photo frame or something like that yeah Colmaca was longing uh, her best long- role <laughs> <laughs> as the picture <laughs> uh, she's also in Chicken and Duck Talk with Michael Hoy, Full Moon in New York for Stanley Kwan, and uh, also she had worked with uh, the best and brightest in the Taiwanese new wave of uh, dramatic filmmaking as well. Uh, she was actually born in Taiwan, uh, but she left school um, early and went into radio as a, as a DJ. But they also um, started to log acting roles, including for director Law Wei in The Tattooed Dragon, which I believe is a Jimmy Wang Yu movie. Mm. And she's also in Yellow Face Tiger, aka Slaughter in San Francisco. With Chuck Norris. <laughs> yes, I don't remember if she shared any scenes Class. with Chuck. I've only seen the movie once, and that was enough. Been ages. Not his best, to be honest. That was a very, very dull movie. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I, I remember they they clearly like Bruce Lee cost Chuck Norris, and we can cost Chuck Norris. And I remember the end fight was like in this little fountain, and they were fighting in this little fountain. Like, what is this? Yeah, very challenging film. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, it's got a good name, of course, Slaughter in San Francisco. But that's uh, a really good name. I like both names. I mean, Chuck doesn't lose any uh, chest hair in that film, which is a bit disappointing. I prefer his films where where that happens. To be honest, that was um, that was one um, bushy man as uh, the way of the dragon <laughs> uh, <laughs> revealed. <laughs> As uh, we turn back here to Sylvia Chang's sort of initial start into into acting, a busy decade follow with major appearances in King Who's Atmospheric Ghost Story Legend of the Mountain, which we can finally see in its uh, full three-hour length on Blu-ray. It was uh, quite um, shortened, uh, down to like 100 minutes in certain edits. Uh, but she took charge of her own creativity, Tom, and uh, her debut film as director came in 1978 with uh, the movie Once Upon a Time. 
but you know she was an in-demand actress in Hong Kong so perhaps that attributed to the fact that she didn't didn't direct again until 1986 uh, in uh, between she had starring roles in uh, Taiwanese author Edward Yang's uh, That Day on the Beach I've seen it once it's a very long film but uh, Edward Yang I always got the impression he did more straight drama he wasn't uh, yeah. this uh, art house director but nevertheless challenging drama it's like a two and a half three hour film it's pretty long i heard it's very good i heard it's very good yeah she also had you know the said recurring role in aces go places as the wife of uh, carl macca always loved their interaction because she didn't take his shit <laughs> she's a tough old cookie yeah especially in those films so uh, you know in the second movie there's this misunderstanding of like him and sam hoy are in a restaurant and they're with a couple of ladies and she thinks um Call Mac cheating on her, and she is loaded up with like a cricket bat or a baseball bat, and she is ready <laughs> to punch the ever living daylights out of him. <laughs> she is also inarguably Choi Hak's best movie, Shanghai Blues. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think so. It's probably her best film for me as well. I think I don't know. It's a big, but I, I don't know. It's a big. It's a uh, it's a tall order to uh, to say that, but I think or to guess that, but I, th- I think it's probably my favorite role of hers. Sure. Everyone comes off as uh, just being ready to ready to play in that movie, yeah, mm. both comedically and dramatically to a, to a degree. So, um, Choi Hog fun time, as my friend Kenneth Brawson said. You may know him. Not this Choi Hog movie that's uh, littered with his uh, zany camera creativity. It's uh, it's a wonderful um, period uh, appropriate uh, romantic comedy with uh, one of the best. Uh, scores in Hong Kong cinema and uh, one of the best uh, theme songs in Hong Kong cinema and uh, yeah mm. and I'm very old but I'm certain we did a podcast on it so that should be checked out at some point if you can find it we did indeed and um, but by the point she was in Shanghai Blue she had been nominated and awarded several times in Hong Kong and Taiwan uh, for her acting for instance in the Taiwanese uh, productions My Grandfather Posterity and also the movie per- uh, Perplexity uh, her comedic turns in Aces Got Places and Shanghai Blues were also worthy of nomination. And uh, her 1986 drama, Passion, that she also directed, earned her the Grand Slam of uh, Best um, Actress at the Hong Kong Film Awards and the same at the Taiwanese uh, Golden Horse Awards, um, which is a George Lam uh, vehicle, but um, still, it turned out good. <laughs> but despite despite despite, despite uh, old Georgia, <laughs> uh, rounding off the decade with our movie at hand here, uh, Eight Tales of Gold and the melodrama all about Along uh, for Johnny Toe and alongside uh, Chai Fat. Uh, the 90s would be divided between acting and directing. Uh, she did two immigration dramas in the 90s. Um, uh, one that I really liked, the 1992, 1992's Mary from Beijing, starring out of all people. You you never knew these people would be in a movie together, Gong Li and Kenny B. And uh, she also, probably her finest film I've seen, um, and, and it's fairly available still, uh, both digitally and um, there, there was a DVD. She did an, a movie in 1995 called Xiao Yu, which was set in New York, starring Rene Liu and Hill Street Blues regular Daniel J. Trevanti. That's interesting. Uh, it's a green card drama, so they enter into a green card marriage um, and uh, very good and uh, you know he wasn't awkward or anything like uh, he, he was properly directed and uh, really made that memorable this east meet meet west uh, uh, drama interesting uh, that film received awards for um, best film and screenplay at the asia pacific film festival and sylvia herself 
when we move on from that movie, added uh, acting nominations across the decade for her performances in Queen of Temple Street and uh, The Red uh, Violin. Uh, towards the end of the millennium, she scored a bona fide hit with the romance Tempting Heart. I remember not liking that movie very much at all, um, but um, that was the very fact that uh, it was a commercial uh, commercial smash starring Takashi Kenshiro, uh, Jiggy Leung and Karen Mock. Uh, it took plays across several decades so it's um, it uh, told a to, told an epic story in that way and in 2002 Sylvia went a bit more high tech in Princess D starring Daniel Wu as a game designer inspired by uh, by the girl Angelica Lee plays uh, like, I don't know if you saw this back in the day but one one of my main highlights of the film was seeing on the runs Pata back on screens and also some wonderfully natural scenes uh, between Angelica Lee and Anthony Wong uh, stayed with me. At one point, I think they just sit down to drink coffee and have a little conversation about that. And it's one of those things you can watch for like half an hour. Actors being warm and natural with each other. You know, mm. I remember a lot of PlayStation 2 uh, graphics and that. Yes, by, by design, like in a drunken sort of moment, Daniel Wu sees a back alley fight but he sees it in like a computer game essentially uh, like it's a uh, it's quite enhanced there we are you, yeah it's, it's all coming back to me now <laughs> that classic <laughs> it, it, it's quite decent and even edison chan probably gave his best performance at that point uh, when he still had a career he was on a roll at that point yeah no dick pics just yet yeah, and he had Dog by Dog yeah, coming up, and he did well in that, and then shortly thereafter, everything uh, went tits up with the photo scandal and all of that. So you're not going to see initial D two. Uh, I didn't finish <laughs> uh, the first one. <laughs> well, I barely started it. It was like <laughs> I, I watched initial D, and I like started off sounding and looking very much like a car movie. That's not for me. It was a lot of rum rum and fancy camera moves and cars sliding drifting i guess it's called and i i, I don't get this this is not for me i mean did you watch uh, initial d for 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 the edison of it all no i watched it for anthony wong and uh anthony wong and um yeah i think it kenny b is in it as well yeah edison sean Yu's in it jordan chan um can't remember anything about it i mean is that your kind of movie that uh the, the glossy sort of car actioner or car drama kind of thing or? I mean, I think I like the Italian Job remake more. <laughs> I mean, it's a popular anime, but still, I it, it, it's it, yeah, it's based on anime. I think it's got that same kind of vibe. It tries to kind of you know uphold that kind of uh, you know anime kind of. I don't know really what the word. It's kind of fast paced, kind of energetic, yeah. kind of look to it, you know, visually and narratively. But um, yeah, I can't really remember a lot about it to be honest. But it did get a release over here. Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah. And you're right, there is a 2 announced at any rate, uh, if a 2 is going to happen. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I believe I saw like a, an, an initial D2 thing. So, Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's come out this year. Uh, so look for that. Put it in your calendar, dude. Maybe, yeah. maybe not on this show, but <laughs> look for it uh, nowhere else. <laughs> Somewhere else. Uh, Sylvia co-starred and directed 2030-40, about three women across those said uh, ages. Um, uh, starred Angelica Lee and Renee Leo as well. And uh, Anthony Wong was in it. He, he played like a record producer and he had a he had a wig on that made him look like uh, an older Jay out of Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> that's uh... Like a 40-something, 50-something Jay. Uh, like, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. 
it's definitely a Google image search. It's like snoochie uh, boochies, but in Chinese or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, um, but uh, that that was one of those movies that Columbia Asia had, so it always got a nice, nice DVD in the end. Also, mm. They're, you know, distributed by Columbia uh, and all of that. So, uh, the New Millennium also saw uh, Sylvia Chang winning the Hong Kong Film Award for for um, uh, best actors for for that movie, uh, Tempting Heart, that she um, that she was um, uh, that she also directed, and she continues to mix uh, directing and acting at her own pace. Really, she made the Hong Kong comedy drama Run Papa Run with Louis Ku, who plays a triad who has to focus on fatherhood. Sweet enough movie, but yeah. it didn't stay with me as such. Um, he's not very brown in that one, so I didn't, didn't like it. <laughs> I prefer him when he's over overtly tanned, like he's been next to the sun. Do, do you have one of those like uh, 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 different sh- uh, shades of brown little uh, uh, measurement sticks uh, next to the TV? Like, <laughs> not brown enough. Pause. <laughs> I pull that out every time I see a Lewis Kuh film. Yeah, I'm like yeah, this is this is this is good. This one's okay. Uh, Sylvia said of the film uh, I thought why don't I explore the gentler side of men for once so she acted in the mainland China production Buddha Mountain in uh, 2010 playing a retired opera singer and some of her latest credits include uh, directing Murmur of the Hearts in 2015 writing and starring in Johnny Toe's musical comedy Office which saw her reunite with Giant Fat I, I, I have it on my prime watch list but I haven't seen it yet I heard it's it's okay I mean it, it's it's different from you know, from Johnny Toe, from Chiang Fat, from Sylvia Chang. It's a musical comedy drama. Okay, okay. I'll give it a whirl. And she also directed 2017's Love Education about, um, and here you can find a theme in her work, about three generations of women in the Henan province of China. And uh, she also won the Hong Kong Film Award for Best uh, Screenplay. She was the co-writer uh, for that film. And outside of movies, uh, she has done singing to an extent. Her music has generated popularity in karaoke with her song the cost of love being a popular number she is also an advocate and a lifelong volunteer for world vision international uh, the um, humanitarian uh, humanitarian aid development and advocacy organization and she was also in the news for a more personal and harrowing reason in 2000 as her then nine-year-old son oscar was kidnapped and held on a 15 million hong kong dollar ransom sylvia is so uh, married to um, uh, Taiwanese businessman Billy Wang, so I'm sure mm. her son was wasn't a random target in that regard. I had no idea about it until until you know I read <laughs> I, I, I read it like recently. That's crazy. I mean the the, the drama was resolved uh, thankfully. Uh, the son was found and the kidnappers arrested. Uh, Sylvia stated in the wake of they sent in Carl Macker. <laughs> <laughs> He was a rather good cop in those movies. The thing he isn't just well, he became more of a dumbass as the series went on. But initially, he wasn't bad. Just put a wig on him, like uh, I'm told that he's someone different. And that's what happened in Aces Go Places One. Like his entrance is with a wig. That's clearly. Wait a minute. Code Jack, as his character was called, right? <laughs> Uh, Sylvia stated in the wake of that kidnapping drama quote uh, with your life you have to move on there's no other choice so out of um, uh, so so out of no choice uh, then it's a matter of your of your attitude so uh, I guess she was preparing herself for the worst but thankfully it turned out alright I'm glad it turned out alright that's some pretty harrowing shit so let's uh, throw over back to you a little bit. We're at the Eight Tales of Gold uh, review section, so we're going to do some short opinions, first of all. Uh, so what did you think of this, uh, what I gather is a first-time watch of uh, the Samo Hong-Sylvia Chang drama at hand? So in short, what did you think? 
Yeah, eight tails of gold, aka Snooze Fest '89. Oh come on, man! <laughs> I hate to break your heart, Kenny. I mean, first time watch for me, but I didn't find a lot to enjoy about it, to be honest. And I don't know whether it's because it's been kind of hyped up over the years as Samo's best acting performance that maybe I went into it with high expectations, but I came out of it a little bit disappointed, to be honest. I, I really love it. The, the first watch, admittedly, I wasn't quite um, ready for uh, its complexities, um, and it wasn't as easy as an autumn's tale. But uh, I feel that I feel that myself uh, because it deals with more Chinese cultural issues a bit more. So my my uh, diminishing brain wasn't ready for that uh, back then. But uh, the, this rewatch for me proved to be a rewarding. While Mabel does quite an understated, complex portrayal of of Slim. Uh, his issues of leaving, coming home, trying to do something with his life. Uh, I think it's all wonderfully natural delivered and understandable. And uh, it's also enjoyable because of the sights and sounds of the remote and the rural. Um, and I, I, was, I also enjoy the easygoing and sort of layered interaction between Samuel and Sylvia. And um, there's like this uh, atmosphere to it that isn't fully conventional so they are experimenting a bit with uh, how much they are communicating um, so I mean An Autumn's Tale is a much more conventional movie com- if you compare yeah. uh, but it is essentially also a romance so uh, so um, it, uh, it, I, I do remember that from the first viewing that uh, I don't think I'm understanding things here uh, <laughs> but uh, and, and I'm sure there's plenty of things that I do not because it um, talks of a, a lot of things in the wake of the cultural revolution and how life is proceeding and um but uh still i got a lot out of it yeah i feel within myself that it's that kind of film i feel like there's a lot of it's a lot more obviously political than a previous two films uh, you know the last two was more kind of you know social economic kind of um not opinions but kind of uh portrayals in terms of the story and and the characters uh, but i felt with this one is a bit more political and i i don't quite know what it was trying to say i'm still kind of working on it within myself um i know a lot was said about the you know just the cultural difference between america and 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 china and and sam was saying a lot about you know, Hong Kong being the biggest Chinatown and wherever you go, it's always going to be in Chinatown. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot within that that I haven't quite grasped. But he does wear up a storm like a good New York cabbie should, right? He should. I thought it was going to be a, a very different film from the first five or ten minutes. You know, first five or ten minutes, kind of classic, kind of goofy Samo stuff. But yeah, I mean, I am only, I am only goofing around on it when I, when I say it's a bit of a snooze fest. But I did feel it was very slow, um, the first hour or so really took a lot of time to kind of build there is there is payoff and i think the half an hour last half hour or so picks up a lot and i think samo does get uh, a lot of material to work with and i mean even in even in this movie like uh, how easy was it to let go of the action performer yeah i mean it was a, it was a first time watch for me and I, obviously as i said i kind of naturally gravitate or i did at least for the longest time towards samo's action orientated line of work so some of his purely dramatic roles i'm only just discovering now and i think appreciate a lot more now that i'm older but i think again it's just it's such a step down from painted faces as well i think painted faces is, is kind of you know it's like powerful and it feels like it's got a a motive and it's got something it wants to say and it, and it just it, it feels a lot more kind of just regular and there's just things going on i think it just there's, there's a lot going on i think that 
you know punctuates the dramatic beats a bit better whereas i feel with this there's not a lot going on and when the dramatic beats happen they're good but there's just not really kind of a lot for it to sit on it does things a bit more vegas sometimes a lot mm-hmm. more vague but so it is more to unpack but i i, I was able to unpack it uh, looking at how slim handles the transition back to china which we'll get to uh maybe one of the last uh, funny notes is that i uh, samo is such a uh sort of nasty cavity that he drives away from a fair which is a uh, which is a rabbi who promptly screams at him you motherfucker <laughs> so Never heard of like, i got a green card get, get out of here <laughs> and the the plane sequence was hard to grasp in terms of like is this supposed to be real because they're in crash mode i thought it was going to be yeah him retelling a story or something you know while he was kind of about to die that's what i thought first half and then it was changes yeah because he speaks into a tape recorder but uh, yeah uh, i i thought that that was a dream sequence uh because uh the air stewardesses they're not uh trying to make it um, easy on the passengers because they say, okay, we're going down, ride your wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. That's what it, it started. It was a good, good comedic scene. It's, like, it, it's that kind of usual kind of Samo silliness, which I really like, and then it, it, it changes quite a bit um, from then. You're always expecting it to be like airplane style where people like making yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's where my mind goes, but I just thought it was going to be like that. No, I think... I think Autumn's Tale has just straddled that fine line between being artistic and commercial and pulled it off of flying colours, whereas Eight Tales comes off, for me, as a bit indulgent. Like It's beautiful, but it's a bit lethargic, and it doesn't come off as natural or as easy as, as you know Mabel's previous work, and it fails to really do anything exciting in a, in a very similar ballpark as a previous effort. Maybe we just got spoiled with a previous film that it feels like it's almost kind of been done before and done kind of better i mean i can see that that they're making it's it's more challenging it takes longer to unpack and you have to sit there and uh, continually work for it which i during this rewatch didn't mind at all uh, i um uh, because i really enjoyed the the throwback to the natural and the rural from after the new york sections here there there's no you know manufactured cinema here it's uh, it's sometimes and this is not a slight it sometimes doesn't feel like much of cinema because they they're all shooting natural environments they're not uh, manufacturing these uh, uh, in order for it to get to a natural state or anything so it, it so geography wise i i do enjoy and, and i have a little soft spot for rural dramas whether they're hong kong made or mainland china made i mean one of my favorite movies from shang yimo the director of hero is uh, his movie called not one less which is about uh, this 12 year old girl who gets to be the substitute teacher for like eight-year-old kids and it's um and it's a very warm movie with all amateur actors you know kids running around being little naughty rugrats and uh, he still <laughs> manages to to get drama out of that so uh, that sounds great i've never seen that very, very good, and uh, you can get that uh, very easily as well. But I do like following sl- Slim. So, you know, he brings shallow worth, meaning the the, the knickknacks, the uh, the Statue of Liberty knickknacks, back to prove his worth. And, and, and the knickknacks are made in China, so no. I, I do like Samuel. He's good at using his face naturally to show that he's, he, he's concerned about the homecoming. He's... Uh, 
he's not terribly comfortable coming home and he's been away for so long and there's a reason for him to feel guilty about that i mean it's a minor spoiler but he hasn't kept up with um, the correspondence hasn't been uh, constant you know he's uh, kept away and uh, the shame living in him in that regard in that regard and uh, you know when he gets to his ancestral home he climbs into um, his uh, like the courtyard uh, it seems like the memories are like they're they're, they're standing still there's a uh, the the home has uh, falling into disrepair almost uh, and uh, and and the dudes inject things that I have trouble connecting to like even though I know like the basics of the one child policy the movie is quite peppered with what has again I'm I'm, I'm the least political person so I can't express myself very well about it but they do talk a lot about what the political decisions or maybe uh, decisions of the law would have been like made and created in the wake of the cultural revolution whether good or bad for these characters and that is one such example that was a lot to unpack that i probably didn't unpack as much i I could like focus focus and zero in on what samo and sylvia were about they weren't necessarily connected to a ton of political subtext uh, but uh, it probably is a case for, well, you're a Westerner. You can't appreciate these movies fully if you don't understand uh, the context. And that's probably true in this case to a degree. But the, the character stuff, I felt, were disconnected from enough from the political stuff where I didn't miss out on, uh, on what Samuel and Sylvia were about. Yeah, of course. I think that's the kind of main focus if, if you know, you're not really, again, but I was in the same boat, not really kind of tuned in to that kind of political aspect of it, which I didn't feel... I was. I feel like it was maybe trying to say something that I couldn't quite understand. But it's not like it's um, the forefront of the narrative. It's definitely uh, just yeah. a kind of back backdrop to to kind of Sam and Sylvia's character story. I mean, it's the things he picks up uh, when he comes back. Like, well, after a revolution, uh, uh, that person became that thing, and this decision was made, and that is that. So it's not like it's uh, grim and depressing, right? Mm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Sylvia is uh, a character that's uh, trying to go back, you know, the other way. You know, she's uh, meant to marry and then relocate to America. So she she's enthusiastic. She is uh, planning for a life and, and perhaps uh, has more concrete plans than he had as a character. As we said, he fled, essentially. Her, her infectious nature is infectious. And they have some funny exchanges where Samo is almost improvising trying to prove that he knows stuff when he clearly doesn't the, the dialogue about um, plastic surgery like uh, yeah. oh, oh they take skin from your from your butt and put on your face <laughs> yeah. and there's some uh, good good jokes like wouldn't you be wearing your butt on screen well that would be no problem unless you fought like he's just improvising really badly trying to cover up for the fact that he he didn't learn very much in those yeah, yeah years. it's it's good it's good stuff and it's stuff like that that kind of makes you feel like I wish there was kind of more of that but it just uh, it gets kind of maybe tied down a bit more with the kind of slow burn aspects um, of the film but the thing is it's 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 a gorgeous looking film so it kind of it does keep your eyes on the prize as it were and the cinematography is uh, by Bill Wong who had, who had previously done a lot of Ringo Lamb's early work and Rouge uh, which we covered on the show amongst other things and would really reach his pinnacle with um, the first Once Upon a Time in China uh, a few years after this, but, you know, with this kind of ethereal and, and dreamy, but, like, rustic and, and very earthy style. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a beautiful blend, and, and the, the film itself looks looks amazing. It, it, it's still 
them like going from place to place in the countryside and having the dialogue that they have in those particular sections was that a problem for you that it didn't seem like the, the traveling had a purpose as such or uh, yeah, yeah i mean you you single out that it looks gorgeous as they go from r- rural setting to rural setting uh going back to his home but uh, was that a problem that not enough happened in those sections yeah or? and i feel like it introduces a lot of characters that don't really you know i, well, I think what would be more interesting would be kind of you know, Samo Slim's character's relationship with his mom and his dad, and it's only kind of and his sister, and it's only really kind of touched upon. And I think there's a lot more there that's not really revealed, and it tends to kind of, I don't know, get distracted by other things rather than maybe kind of letting the plot kind of grow a little bit, and then kind of just throws us straight into this, you know, romantic tension between Slim and and Sylvia's character. So, I think enough came to light. Uh, in terms of how how it all affected the father, how it all affected the mother. I mean, I won't speak of too much about it because it, it's spoiler spoilers really. But the the, the dialogue about uh, uh, the letters, for instance, the reveal about the letters, uh, that was enough for me to latch on to how his departure had affected them, especially his mother, emotionally uh, throughout the years. Uh, but they're not. They're not always super explicit about it um, uh, or conventional. So, and and I probably didn't get even that thing during my mm. first viewing. Uh, uh, but I, I think there are some good, uh, underplayed, and suitably emotional reactions for, from both Samuel and both from the uh, from the elder cast. Uh, Samuel doesn't need to overdo it when he plays emotional reunion. Um, I think uh, he has established that he's. Uh, he is ashamed of uh, what he did. I think uh, it's natural casting as Samuel provides natural acting here in this uh, coming home film that has a lot of inner emotional turmoil but isn't uh, spelling it out in, in, in melodrama form. Yeah, you are right. It is very restrained and Samuel's very restrained. Um, and like maybe for me it was almost a little bit too restrained with kind of what it wasn't saying. But again, I think for a first time watch it's sometimes a bit difficult to decipher i mean i i can sort of see that that uh, because even uh, this is not a huge spoiler but it doesn't make final real choices that uh, you might agree with necessarily it mm. uh, it doesn't tie a nice bow across uh, all dramatic uh, beats and uh, we're left with all the answers and we can go home and forget about everything because it, that's a slippery slippery slope and I can certainly see that it might feel a bit uh, unfulfilling, the uh, final dramatic choices and the dramatic choices within the film. Um, and, and, and I guess that's the development they're aiming for as filmmakers, that uh, we made an autumn's tale pretty straightforward, but it, it was understandable. People got it. People liked it. Now, how can we change up our voices and how can we make it maybe more complex for us? Um, so who knows how that thinking went if they tried to make it uh, a bit more uh, obscured and asked audiences to work a little bit harder for for the price. Uh, and, and, sure. and and maybe that's what a second viewing is for, that uh, twice the work, which is not really a great motivator <laughs> if you didn't like <laughs> it the first time around. You know, but. No, no, of course, but you know, as, that's, that's the great thing about a lot of art, isn't it? It's just sometimes you... you jump onto it at a certain point and it says one thing and then you jump onto it at another point in your life and sometimes it says something else but i definitely agree with what you're saying it's it's a lot more complex it's a bit more artistic 
than um, than than an autumn's tale. It doesn't veer off into abstract territories. Just no, uh, no, not all. Doesn't it's say just, it very clearly, I guess. Yeah, and maybe do you know, maybe that was probably the best for them as a filmmaking team to jump into something that was different and was not an autumn tales too. You know, it's it's kind of braver of them to maybe make something that's a bit more, you know, a bit more kind of ethereal and a bit more kind of um, not quite there in terms of its narrative and not saying a lot really and kind of letting the viewer decipher, just let let the viewer kind of soak up soak up the mood a bit and kind of let it work in that way from an artistic standpoint rather than it being kind of you know dialogue heavy or or kind of going through different or different narrative tunnels and stuff like that. I mean, I, I can I can sort of still feel that memory of that first viewing that I'm I'm, I'm trying hard to decipher uh, crack this movie and um, I think I mean I liked it in the end, but I do remember that it took a lot of work and that, that you you had that experience to a degree, but um, like I had I, I can I can certainly see that because uh, I was expecting probably the movie to be a bit more sim- uh, simple uh, and I knew it was. Regarded and um, before the DVD many years ago, it was uh, out of uh, circulation and all of that. And now, yeah, yeah, and, and now sure. and the DVD came out, and by now we have a Blu-ray. In terms of political criticism, I can't say if it is criticizing what came out of the Cultural Revolution. Um, at one point, they talk of Samuel Slim's mother having literally an overseas connection in the form of her son. And uh, if uh, she had a letter sent to her, that would would have to be destroyed. But um, she, she she had to hide the letter and all of that, which sounds like uh, a poke. But um, maybe mainland China censors wouldn't like that story beat. But uh, in, in the end, I think Mabel is still dealing with uh, the family and not these widely widely broad, epically political subjects. It doesn't seem like it anyway. I mean, for I connected to the shame. And the guilt, the loss of connections, the regaining of connections, and uh, the, the, there are some re- quite nicely played scenes towards the last 30-40 minutes in particular. Uh, hearing the yeah, fa- yeah, definitely. Hearing the father. I don't know the name of the actor um, because uh, there's a very sparse Hong Kong movie database uh, collection of uh, cast, but I, I have a feeling they cast out of China for for this one and uh, got some suitably looking elder actors, whether they were veterans or amateurs, I don't know, but... Um, they certainly looked apart. Uh, it's, a, it's also a movie that, yes, we watched it Cantonese dubbed, but it would probably work with Mandarin or a regional, yeah, uh, regional yeah. dialect. Uh, uh, but, but I have a feeling Sam or Sylvia acted in Cantonese. But uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, hearing the father talk of the mother, he has a one on one with Sam, I believe. Hearing the father talk of the mother missing her son is it's all very quiet mild talk and not set to a sweeping score it's like it's not like a scheduled monologue or anything it's probably one of my favorite scenes because samo gets to again show that the reaction of shame uh, without uh breaking down or anything uh danny has to sort of switch back as a character to he wants to try anyway to resume family duties such as marriage but now he starts to forge this genuine connection with with Jenny, with odds and ends, which is not an arranged connection. And uh, that's the movie's focus, but not main focus. It's not purely a, a romance, but a centerpiece is their interaction, of course, and how they 
get on and how they forge their connection and uh, it's as unsaid as many aspects in the movie are but a lot of a lot of things are eventually by the end spelled out too there's no mistaking that they're falling for each other but it's problematic that they have that that got to me in um, mm. in the very sort of mild-mannered way that it went about its business. Um, it still got me in the end for sure. It's still it's and still, I thought, you know, by the way, in Autumn's Tale was mild-mannered about its uh, about its romantic drama, but it, this is even more mild-mannered yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, yeah, I mean, definitely, as you're saying, definitely got me in, the end, and it and it picked up um, the last you know last half hour or so some really good dramatic beats. But yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, thinking about it, maybe I think the coming don't, home. Don't, act, don't, don't change your opinion just because I'm passionate about. No, this no, stuff. no. The, the, the uh, I do, I do love, I do love, I do love the film. I was just putting on a front, you know, for you, just testing you can, you know. I think you need to get a bit too you're coasting now. Nah, you get a bit too you're comfortable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shit, not again. Uh, no, I, I, I do agree. I do agree with with the kind of back end um, being a lot better. I think maybe. I preferred or thought it was going to be more of a kind of coming home drama and was enjoying that aspect more. And I think once that kind of it stopped being that and was kind of more focused on their relationship, although it is it is good and there's a good build up to it, maybe kind of I wanted more of, of the coming home and kind of what that meant to the characters. Because I think it's a very interesting part of it. And obviously there's such a, a big build up to them traveling back and, and them kind of being on this little, it's like a road trip kind of journey for, for road trip movie for the first kind of half hour or so and i think when it flips over to yeah the romantic territory dramatic territory um regarding those two characters it's for me a bit a bit kind of a bit different or a bit kind of not out of nowhere because it's it's quite natural but just maybe i wanted more of yeah more of the kind of coming home thing but you got your boy goofy in it out of painted faces so what more do you want he comes back babby babby yunbo comes back dude uh, some final notes uh, from me. I, I, I do like the moments towards the end where Jenny, you know, expresses not for dialogue necessarily that she's unsure of her pending marriage. Uh, at one point, she looks for Slim because she wants to sit down and have a talk with him during the fireworks scene. And I think uh, that that dialogue has, uh, as you talked of, a lot to unpack. But also, it's a heart to heart that I think they do very well. They don't. Uh, there's a very mild frequency to the uh, interaction and to the delivery of uh, dialogue which I appreciate it drew me in it's one of those you should just set it in one shot and let the actors uh, do their thing and uh, and she she's clearly accomplished and for me Sam is looking uh, very accomplished even though I've have a bigger beating heart towards the performance in Painted Faces probably probably because I'm more yeah. familiar with it but it is yeah. probably better uh, this is for me great but it, it doesn't uh, outdo Painted Faces uh, uh, because um, they what they were trying to do structurally and and technically as they deliver the drama it, it is different and this is a bit hard, harder to decipher but nevertheless was rewarding the longer the movie ran for me yeah. and um it's a scene that's rather heartbreaking if you're invested, of course. But if you have trouble connecting to it, then the heartbreak is, isn't going to hit you like a ton of bricks or anything. Uh, but it is an exercise in the in the restraint, and I I appreciated that challenge, and I think they rose to it. And I, probably it this movie clicked with me during the second viewing, um, mm. uh, which you know it's years and years ago now that i that i first saw it uh, but i never disliked it it was just uh, harder uh, a harder mabel chung and alex law film uh, for me 
Mm. But I, I definitely agree with you, even though I did struggle with it for, for, for kind of the majority of the runtime. The ending definitely kind of hit me, um, you know, where it where it needs to and what it was going for. The pay, the payoff, I think the, the ending is, is definitely suitable for the film, for sure. Although it's not this kind of, as you were saying before, like not this kind of flashy ending or this ending that we really kind of some viewers might want it definitely works for for the film and, and kind of how it's been throughout its runtime uh, so really um i don't uh, have any other notes uh, so before we availability i want to say something else i've got a few notes obviously sylvia chang already touched upon it but obviously just a massive cutie pie as usual uh, as well as a great actress always plays really down to earth and very human leading ladies you know, that's what I really kind of like about her as an actress. She's always, you know, in this film, not so much, but she, she plays these kind of tough cookies and, you know, a very talented woman, but also, you know, a great, great actress. Um, I think as well, I think there's a major conspiracy theory going on, but I think Hong Kong subtitles are actually making me smarter. Like, I swear there was like four or five words over these two films for me, um, for the show that we've watched for the show that popped up and I was like, I've never heard of that before thinking it was a spelling error, but it was actually an English word I'd never heard of. That's good. But you, you know, you, you know what, what they did with the Blu-ray in terms of one piece of translation there, because uh, Paul Fox sent me a screen cap of the scene where the rabbi as motherfucker to Samo. Yeah. you know how that's translated on the Blu-ray. I don't know, but I want to hear darn. Just, what? <laughs> Just on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the DVD, it's a full That's motherfucker, class. correctly spelled and all. That's uh, class. Darn. <laughs> Ken, I'm going to put you on... I'm going to give you a little pop quiz now, okay? Let's freestyle it. Yeah. Just just take my hand. Just go with it. It's going to be okay. Let's do it. I'm going to give you a little pop quiz. What do these words mean? Five words. One, two, three. Four words that have popped up over these, these two films that we've covered tonight. No give way. me the meaning. No dictionary. No, no, no dictionary. No urban dictionary. Okay. We're better if I do them sweet and Swedish. Okay. This is English. I know it's going to be difficult. You can do it. First one. Trosso. Trosso. No idea. The stuff collected by a bride for her marriage. There you go. Uh, wall W H O R L. Nope, don't remember. A, a pattern of spirals. Okay, this one effed me up. I don't know what was going on. Geomancer. Well, that's like a sorceress type of person, lady. You're right, dude. You're on along. You're along the the right tracks. It's someone who reads markings or patterns. I, in because a, in I a remember that scene place. very yeah. well. They bring in this person who's supposed to assist with a pregnancy and she's more about like oh that baby's cursed like we don't <laughs> need that right now <laughs> i thought it was a chick out of poltergeist yeah. <laughs> the old lady uh, okay last one you can you can redeem yourself here spade s-p-a-y-e-d spade, like a shovel no s-p-a-y-e-d spelled oh, okay, differently then I don't know. neutering a female cat i have heard you that before that you- you can't bring it back now. You said no. You got I've one heard out of five of it before, so I recognize it now. One and a half, I'll give you out of uh, four. That's pretty decent. That's pretty decent. I mean, I've scored less in quizzes started by you, so <laughs> I'll take that as a as a fair effort. If you would bring that those kind of questions to our next trivia night here on the show, then I will. I, I would be. I will. Uh, Pure failure, and I would be fine with that. You should let me host. It would be absolutely terrible. Uh, I've got one more note. Just a, uh, I've got a bit of a meme, another one. About 82 minutes in, when um, 
odds and ends character odds and ends character odds and ends uh, husband is about to which just shown up at the village there's like lion dancing and drums banging and it's one dude behind the main characters uh he's in the foreground of the scene throwing like little explosive crackers or something yes and, and at one point he fails to chuck it away and it just explodes in his face oh no and he turns to the guy behind him and he's like did you see that dude and he's kind of like half laughing i was pissing myself have you caught that before i did not uh, <laughs> that's being natural uh, cinema you know what i mean it is it's class it's like it's a cinema verite it like it, it, it's like he chucks it i don't know what i think he's supposed to light it and chuck it but he lights it he doesn't chuck it just explodes like it's from it's from his back like uh, there, there's even one of those uh, NG moments in an autumn's tale, as you remember, when one of the yeah. guys gets his beer knocked out of his hand and was probably not supposed to, and he and he longingly looks at it like, oh, I lost my. I, beer. That, that, I thought that was that was kind of uh, uh, meant to be there because it was. I thought it was a really funny moment. It almost I thought looks you, like an accident, but an uh, accident. Yeah, I thought you were talking about when they're sitting next to each other and they start laughing because that's that's probably the best. I've, I've I've still undecided if that's undecided, uh, supposed yeah, to too. be a spit take or not. I think Jai Fat is laughing because he knows he's gonna do a spit take. <laughs> <laughs> Class man. Okay, Class. I've got it in my mouth. <laughs> spit suit. <laughs> Let's go. Let's win some acting awards here. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's gonna be challenging material ahead uh, for for me. Uh, when we get to uh, the Sung sisters, I mean, I have some research on it because that, that was a pol- political movie. Um, she ran into trouble with the mainland censors because uh, her main characters plays the wives of uh, characters from Chinese history uh, from uh, from you know the eighteen hundreds and nineteen hundreds. Yeah. And I'm and I'm hoping the movie is going to make it very clear because it's not an area that I know very much about. But that's our challenge, if you will. I've seen the Sung sisters once on tv like 20 years ago on tv it actually showed on like uh, satellite tv over here which was neat i I didn't tape it or save the tape actually Uh, but 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 it's been issued on dvd and hopefully we can get it but uh, um but uh, that's going to be interesting to look at because i know it's subject matter that's not something i can riff on necessarily so um, yeah i think i think i've i've, I've read a, certain, a lot a bit of it was taken out because it wasn't historically accurate or something like that or they made the the censors made a take it out or something like that i mean there are different versions of it but i know also mabel got to argue her case and so she got to release the full movie at least somewhere but maybe not mainland China as such. But, mm. If anything, it'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, that's my challenge for the next episode. And we, we are going to do the songs, uh, the Song Sisters, but also a quick review of the movie City of Glass from 1998, uh, uh, which stars uh, Daniel Wu and Leon Lai, among other people. So uh, we'll uh, get to that. Chu Chi, I believe, is in it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. Ready, primed and ready. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, as for availability of the a, of a Tales of Gold, uh, the film has been available on DVD for quite some time, but in 2019 got a Blu-ray upgrade in Hong Kong, so that's available. And some of these Blu-rays, uh, depending on the company it came from, tend to be uh, region all releases, region A, B, and C. But um, I can't confirm right now if that was the case with Eight Tales of Gold, but uh, they haven't been very strict about that. That oh no, it's region A only, etc., uh, etc. Et so, uh, uh, which is a good thing for us Westerners who want uh, these Blu-ray upgrades. Uh, I mean, for now you see Love Now You Don't, 
that wasn't on DVD before. We had VCD only. Uh, so that was very nice to have. I didn't get the Eight Tales of Gold Blu-ray for this show. I thought for work DVD is fine. And I'm going to keep the DVD because that has the motherfucker subtitle. That's precious. You can't, you can't upgrade, dude. Yeah, Isn't it such a good day and age we live in where a film like Nice, He Loves Night Don't, you know, a kind of Lunar New Year's, less prestigious film you know in terms of you know critically maybe in, in terms of a, a kind of an artist's work body of work it's out on blu-ray you really should i mean a big enough movie about the to get also in this blu-ray sort of frenzy that's happening now in hong kong to get like exploitation movies like laboratory of the devil aka men behind the sun 2 to get that on blu-ray to get men behind the sun 3 on blu-ray is unheard of really you know what it is? It seems like the people that have grown up watching these films and the fans are now working at the companies and putting them out. That's how it feels like a lot of labels now, especially in the UK. Well, you know what I'm hearing in my head in terms of the Hong Kong Blu-rays? That companies are bleeding money because these can't be big sellers. But they mm-hmm. are putting out them on... Uh, unless Blu-ray manufacturing and replication and so forth have become super cheap. cheap so it's yeah. easy to take a risk on niche titles. Well, I mean, if you think you're talking about that, you know, that cheeky um, import money or import tax on it as well, they're probably only decent books. Um, and it, it is just us lot buying them. <laughs> not buying them in Hong Kong, are they? So. Which is uh, strange. But but you're right, it's a good um, time to be um, a, f- a fan of Hong Kong cinema so forth on Blu-ray and DVD, even in the UK. UK has uh, become a stronghold of uh, these things, uh, both uh, action-wise and also a more artistic fare because then that's what you have the different labels for like you don't get necessarily the uh, artistic fare over at 88 films but over at eureka you you do get that but also action i mean eureka have been good to the likes of um, king who speaking of sylvia chang movies and uh, and uh, yeah johnny toe couple johnny toe films out on eureka as well yeah well way back in the day even they, they had uh, mad, mad detective on there one can only hope that uh, that, that they can unlock uh, w- what is known to be like this troubled problem, uh, the, uh, the early Milky Way movies. Uh, I've heard those are either locked away rights-wise or the prints for the early Milky Way movies are not good. But mm-hmm. w- one can just hope that, uh, you know, uh, s- some company can bring out like the mission again or whatever, so... If France, if France, and France is leading the way in, in that department, so I'm keeping my eyes over there. If anything, there'll be there'll be fan edits of things because that's the age we live in, which is uh, which is exciting. That is for sure. But uh, we will be back for the next director series, uh, watching that challenging work, the Song Sisters. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for both of us, uh, not just. Uh, you but uh i'm gonna treat it as a challenge so and, and it, i might end up saying that it's probably a good movie but it's it's too dense the political stuff is too dense uh, who knows it might be that verdict in the end but we've given it a fair chance just like you gave a tales of gold a fair chance and delivered your remarks in a coherent and uh, clear and honest fashion and that's not about coherent honest for sure coherent maybe not but no definitely man i think it's it's what life's all about you know bit a bit of challenge and i think stretching your leg cinematically is always uh it's always a good thing for sure so look forward to those uh, movies we also got uh, in this coverage uh, the documentary traces of a dragon to do yeah beijing rocks the short movie they did for the sauce uh, 
they were part of the short movie collection that uh, was a benefit project uh, for SARS called One Colon 99 and uh, we'll also do Echoes of the Rainbow by Alex Law and uh, then we're going to have to conclude at the 2015's A Tale of Free Cities because currently there's not another completed movie from the team so those are your choices and also if um, we might as well be open and transparent there will be a bonus episode uh, on moon warriors at the end of the coverage as well and why moon warriors because it's a sam hong film well because it's class it's class oh it's another reason (laughs) we learned and i didn't know of this we learned through uh, uh, supplemental features on the uk dvd that uh, mabel chung alex law directed significant portions of moon warriors and that's an interesting process to hear of again and um, speak of so come with us come join us party people <laughs> we've got a good ride good ride in store so that is it for all your podcast on fire network needs including the back catalog of uh, the director series go to podcastonfire.com and check out the links to social media and all the relevant links in the show post and that is us for this episode so thank you tom as always for being on the ride and uh it's uh, not supposed to be designed as oh we're gonna all love these films uh, but <laughs> it's uh designed as every review is bring your honest opinion to the table and and i mean it really doesn't change the fact that we we know that these are great filmmakers that are based on an autumn's tale alone and painted faces alone so it's not like uh, any negativity is gonna like downgrade prior they're gonna uh, lose blu-ray sales now ken that's what it is (laughs) (laughs) pleasure it's been a pleasure as always kenny as long as you don't send these things to the companies in question like (laughs) i try not to anonymous like guess what i found guess what i found (laughs) uh but yeah uh let's uh, sign off i've been kenny b away from boss tom kw as always so take us out last time i checked uh yeah see you later guys it's been a pleasure Shall we